Welcome to the One Degree Shift Podcast, where we learn the little changes that future-proof some of our favorite companies and teams. Here's your host, Eric Termundi. Lauren Waldman, Learning Pirate, how are you today? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing amazing. Absolutely amazing. It would have been a couple of years ago now. We, we shared breakfast <laughs> before sharing a stage uh, where we yes. took the stage for the Conference Board of Canada. And we were talking about workplace culture. We were talking about learning. We were talking about talent attraction. But I don't want the listeners to take it from me, from you. What's important to you right now? What's exciting you? And what's on the top of your mind? It's such a great question because I think what's always on the top of my mind when it comes comes to learning is the brain. That's like, mm. you, I think, you know, from our several conversations, um, that is my, my area of focus when it comes to learning. And when we're looking at the brain, it's just a never ending rabbit hole of curiosity to chase. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and I mean, what better time than now to be having this conversation? What, what do you think, what do you see is, is coming up in terms of how people are learning, how that's shifting and, and what, what are you sort of doubling down on right now with your focus? I think that, you know, people, are starting to recognize that they actually do learn with their brains. And that's part of sort of my evolution and being in the industry is bringing that awareness of, you know, learning's not just about content and it's not about the system or the technology. We've often sort of overshot the fact of it's our brains that are doing the learning. So what's really in my trajectory right now is how do we create an awareness of how the brain learns, how it remembers, and then how do we actually practice that in the way that we design and engage in learning ourselves? Okay, let's let's then take this on sort of a timeline <laughs> scale. Let's take it back however many years you find relevant um, before mm-hmm. we realized how learning was done. How is it that we thought we learned What is that evolution and how has that taken place? And what does sort of the current and future state of learning look like? So I think in the past, you know, for hundreds of years now, we've really learned the same way. When the institution of, you know, schools was set up and our educational system was set up, it was during a time when it was really meant for let's educate people to get them out into the workforce. So education and learning became more of what we all experienced in school. And that was the you know same way that we all did was go through your math, your Englishes, really get in as much content as we can, cram study, and then regurgitate it out into you know, a test or a paper. When really, when we move forward somewhere around the 1970s, I say, I mean, people have been learning and... Um, interested in the brain for hundreds and hundreds of years, but we didn't have Mm -hmm. the technology at that time, you know, during that time to really look into it to say, Hey, what is it actually doing when I'm reading this? Or what is it doing when I'm looking at this? Um, And Mm. somewhere around the 1970s, when the first MRI machines were built, that's when the science really started to evolve Mm. and give us those really great, you know, pictures as to what was going on in there. And that's, to me, is sort of the pivotal moment of not just changed for the science of learning, but really um, the science of all of the things that had to do with the brain, which we now, you know, get to get to learn from and, and sort of, you know, utilize in our everydays. Sure. So, you know, seventies, that's, that's more or less 50, 50 years ago, believe it or not. Where, where are we at? Where are we at now? And what can, what have we learned from technological advancement in the past, let's just say 10 or 20 years about how we learn and how we can optimize our time obtaining information, uh, improving our cognitive ability, and ultimately mm. just leveling up ourselves. I mean, so much 
we've learned in in such a you know what would science would consider a short amount of time um for sure. me what's most fascinating is the sort of our cognitive resources and this is something that i'm sort of trying to create awareness on not just for the learning scope but for our personal lives as well is when you understand or when you can start to sort of envision your brain as this mass amount of different powerful resources you can then understand how to work with those a little bit more efficiently. So we talk mm -hmm. about something called cognitive load and cognitive load has to do with sort of the, the power and the energy that you're, that you're using while you're doing any given task. And, um, you know, I, for whatever reason, my brain always networked it, uh, to sort of envision the game street fighter. And you know, okay. if you remember, if you remember I, I do, those, I do. Power, those power bars, you know, going mm -hmm. down in power until you're KO'd, if you kind of think of your brain as one of those power bars and, you know, how many functions are you using to do any one given task, you can start mm -hmm. to understand why you might get a little cognitively exhausted by, you know, even midday, if you haven't taken the time to sort of diffuse a little bit and give your brain a rest. Interesting. Okay. So then let's just say I'm, I'm, I'm studying a math class and I want to take in as much of that textbook and the, and the learnings as possible. What should I be doing now that perhaps I wouldn't have been doing 10 years ago? Definitely giving your yourself and your brain time to diffuse. So there's sort of two mm. modes that we can go into when we're thinking. You're either in the focused mode or in the mm -hmm. diffused mode. Now, when it comes to protecting sort of those resources in your cognitive load, you really want to be cautious of how much time you spend in the focus mode because that's really mm. engaging your working memory. And working memory, I mean, it's in, it's in the name. It's working. So you're mm -hmm. really absorbing and you're using a lot of resources to be in that focused mode of time. And research has shown that we can sort of stay within a focused area for about 20 minutes is kind of our, our mm -hmm. maximum right now. So you want to allow yourself to go into the next phase of uh, thinking, which is that more diffused mode of thinking, which then allows your brain to relax a little bit. You're just away from those focus, but it gets your brain the ability to network and to start making mm. connections. So I think we've all heard of people having those wonderful ideas in the shower or you know, somewhere mm -hmm. in the bathroom, the kitchen. It's because you're not thinking about it. Um, and mm -hmm. your brain is kind of just doing its own thing in there going, oh, okay, this is kind of starting to make sense to, to this idea that I've already got stored in there. So it's right. really sort of that balance of how much time are you giving your focused attention to versus the diffused mode of your, you know, your sort of thought process. So I've, I've got a bit of an issue in that while at work, now admittedly, I know this is a bad practice, but the truth <laughs> is uh, what it is. I haven't gone more than 20 minutes without being distracted by an email, a text, a ping, a ding, mm. something vibrating, some bell or whistle going off in probably three years. What, does, what do distractions do to my focus and how important is limiting those distractions? It's incredibly important if you actually want to optimize your time and, and you know be productive with the time that you've got. And I love that you brought that up. I mean, there's so many studies at this point that show us the um, behavioral sort of addictions to various technologies. And we've been conditioned to really, you know, when the phone goes off or when you see the notification to just, it's an, you know, you instantly go to look at it. Now, what people might not be aware of or that we never really thought of it in the, in this context is focus is, is a skill and focus is something that we actually mm. need to learn and we can train our brains to to focus um, and we can do that through practices like meditation there's different exercises that you could do i do something with um students uh, when i was teaching younger students called 50 snaps 
And it's really as simple as can you count to 50 in your head while snapping your fingers? And what that does, it's redirecting your focus. So there are little things that you can do to train your brain to focus. But I think what the general population should really get from this message is that it's a skill we were never taught. Mm -hmm. We were never taught to sit down and to focus. We were never really taught even how to learn or the process of learning. And yet we are expected to do it. So if you were to give a five minute masterclass on how to learn, (laughs) what are the things that you would tell people they need to be more cognizant of that perhaps they weren't in the past? The very first thing would be sort of what we were just speaking about is Mm -hmm. where are you directing your attention? And when you understand or when you can create an awareness of what you're giving your attention to, you can then harness the focus on it. So first thing of learning is what are you giving your attention to and how are you focusing on that? So to your point, do you have too many too many apps open? Do you have too many screens open? Because if you do, you're going to very easily be able to lose that focus that you're looking for. So right. that would sort of be the first part. I'm a very large advocate of creating learners who are able to become what I call the audience to their own performance. So are you aware of what you know? Are you aware mm. of what you don't know? But even so, while you're going through that learning process, especially if you're in sort of an organizational setting where you might have to learn something very quickly for sales initiatives, you might have to learn something you know, to roll out for you know, any sort of you know, training in your organization. But can you create learners who are aware of their own progress? And that really comes mm. you know, hand in hand with, can they focus? Because if they can, they can stop and say, hmm, I'm not sure if I really understood that thoroughly and have Mm -hmm. that narrative with themselves to be able to recognize where they are in their own learning process. Very interesting. Okay, so then let's let's dive into this because now it seems like we're evolving into more of a self-awareness conversation. Two questions that come to mind. How do I become more aware, Mm self-aware of where my focus and attention is? because that seems like an exercise in itself. And the follow-up mm-hmm. is how do I become more self-aware of what I know and what I don't? What, what are some practices that allow me to sort of hold a mirror up to myself and see where I'm at? I think the, the most instinctual answer that sort of falls into the sort of the personal well-being and the ability to be a more effective learner is uh, meditation. Um, mm. There's been so many studies on, on meditation and the benefits to our brains and to the abilities to focus and give our attention to something. But the research and the experiments actually do hold true. And I think that even for myself, um, when I started meditating years ago, it was something that I still had that sort of societal implication of, oh, it's very hippie. It's very, you know, namaste kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I never realized though how challenging it could be because that in itself is something that you need to learn and you need to build up as a skill. What helped me sort of cross that barrier was to be aware of how I was thinking about about it. From myself, I looked at it through the lens of science. And when Mm -hmm. I looked at it through the lens of science and understood that it was something, a practice that was going to physically change my brain to allow communications to sort of slow down when I needed them to, and to sort of put all of my focus into the into your prefrontal cortex, which is where sort of you harness your Mm -hmm. executive centers. That was really the game changer. Very interesting. Then as, as we start to wrap up, in our very mm-hmm. quick conversation today. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about your meditation practice and how that's evolved? Because it seems like all roads point to meditation if we want to start <laughs> being better learners. It was a 
I'm, I'm going to be honest. The one thing I'll say to anyone um, as an adult who's learning is learning is difficult. It should be fun, but it is challenging. And mm-hmm. meditation for me was, was very challenging because like everyone else, um, you know, I had a very hard time sort of shutting down those other resources and quieting, quieting the mind. And mm-hmm. it took, I think a lot of people want to jump into meditation and start with those power 15 minutes, 20 minutes. After mm-hmm. four years, I'm now at the 20 minute mark. And I had to build up, I built it up, you know, and to be very forgiving with yourself and, Mm. you know, just let those things pass by. But we want to go into a a negative self-talk when we're like, oh no, I'm thinking about something now. Oh no, I should be, you know, and that's how Mm. it kind of starts off. But um, it is a practice that does need to be built up. So I'd say for anyone who wants to start that practice is be forgiving with yourself, but don't feel like you've got to eat the whole elephant. Start with Mm -hmm. a minute and build your practice up. Okay, this is great. Lauren, is there anything else you want to share with us today? (laughs) My big message to everyone out there, you know, who's listening and when it comes to learning is that, you know, there is nothing that you can't learn. A recent study has shown that our brains can hold the entire internet inside of them. And Whoa. when you think about it, yeah, when you think about it like that, you, you know, if we can start to really recognize how powerful we are as humans um, and the capacities that we have, then you know, you will become really ready. And you know, the tagline of learning pirate, you are really ready. Get a little yar in your lives. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. I'm not done yet. A whole entire internet. Okay. Okay. So then Tell me, is it fact or fiction that we only really use like 10% of our brain or 30% of That is absolute fiction. Um, That, yeah, it's complete fiction. That actually, the myth of 10% comes from uh, science, believe it or not, a misinterpretation of the science. Um, Uh We've got 90% of a certain, I'm not going to get too scientific. We've got 90% of a certain certain type of cell and connection in our brain and 10% of another. And that's where the, the, the myth came from. Um, no, we use our can you, entire Can you brains. unpack that a little bit? 90% of, of, of uh, yeah. I, uh, I don't have the, like, I don't want to get too scientific. Yeah. <laughs> it has to do with the okay. cells and, and whatnot, but that's really where, okay. that, where the myth perpetuated from. Um, okay. But no, we use our brains, the, the entirety of our brains all the time. Okay. Lauren, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, where can people find you? I am pretty active on LinkedIn these days. Um, and there's only one Lauren Waldman Learning Pirate, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and uh, on the website as well, learningpirate.com. Awesome. Lauren, thanks so much for your time. My absolute pleasure. For more podcasts, show notes, and to connect with our speaker today, visit ericturmundi.com. That's E-R-I-C-T-E-R-M-U-E-N-D-E.com. And click the podcast tab. Thanks for listening.